What is up, family? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Pre-Med Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab your copies there. And you are listening to the Black Men in White Coats podcast, a place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their story. First off, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a few weeks. I have been out. Last podcast, you guys might remember, I told you I was tired. So I just had to take a few weeks off, had to recoup, had to enjoy the break with friends and family, and that I did. Had an absolutely amazing time, absolutely wonderful time. Fully recouped, fully ready to go. So 2019, not tired anymore, full of energy, ready to give you guys my all again. All right, so Happy New Year to you guys. I hope you guys had a great time the same way I did. I'll tell you, I went out to St. Louis area, and I went to see the in-laws. And on the way back, we stopped by the college where my wife and I went, actually the college where we met also, and we got to show the kids, our kids, you know, where we went, <laughs> we went to college. It was great. It was the best thing ever. I got to show them exactly the first place I saw my wife and everywhere I worked and everything. It was just a wonderful experience. So we had an absolutely amazing break and then came home and celebrated New Year's with my family. So it was a wonderful time. I hope you guys had a great time as well. I hope you're ready for 2019 the same way I'm ready for 2019. It's going to be a great year. I believe we'll be blessed and I believe we're going to all you know, do well, might be some tough times, but there'll be a lot of good times to come along with it. So just try your best to enjoy every single day this year. Make that your goal. Enjoy every day this year. All right. So 2019, we are kicking off the Black Men and White Coats Mentoring Podcast with my very good friend, Dr. Brian Williams. Um, I don't know what to say about Dr. Williams. Just so many great things you can say about him. I'll let him tell you his own story. But I will I will direct you to his website, brianwilliamsmd.com. That is brianwilliamsmd.com. And there you can see a plethora of things that he does. Uh, you know, one thing in particular is he has the podcast, which he started recently within the past year, Race, Violence and Medicine. So check that out. He goes over so many great topics. And I was on his podcast last. I closed out last year. It's funny. I closed out his podcast in 2018. And he's opening my podcast in 2019. So it's a great thing. So definitely go check out his podcast. A lot of great episodes. And most of you will remember Dr. Williams from the the Dallas police shooting. So when people hear the name Brian Williams, that's usually what they think about. So they remember the situation where there was um, a horrible, horrible thing that happened in Dallas, Texas, where there was a gunman shooting and killing, killing police. And Dr. Williams was the trauma surgeon who took care of many of those police officers and boldly spoke up about race relations following that. So that's where most of you will, will remember him from. But there's so much more to him than just that. OK, there's so much more to him. Now, I want you guys to hear his story here on this podcast. He's going to tell you his journey to becoming a trauma surgeon. All right. Before we get into it, let me remind you guys, Black Men in White Coats Youth Summit coming up is right around the corner. It's February 16th, 2019 on the campus of UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. Registration is open. I'm going to put the link down below. So click on that link. If you can make it register, come to the event. It's going to be great. We've got a lot of people already registered. So you know, even with the amount of people who register now, it's going to be a very, very wonderful event. But we'd love to have you guys there. Definitely check it out. Black Men and White Coast Youth Summit. The link is down below. And as always, we're going to make a worksheet for this episode. So if you have kids or if you're somebody who wants to go over this worksheet, we're going to put the worksheet on the site. So make sure you check out the worksheet at blackmenandwhitecoast.org backslash worksheets. And you can download the worksheet for this episode and have your kid do it or your students do it or whoever wants to do it do the worksheet to make sure you're getting all the key points from what Dr. Williams has to say here today. All right. So great stuff coming up here. Listen to Dr. Williams story. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 
My name is Brian H. Williams, and I am honored that Dr. Dale asked me to be a guest on his Black Men in White Coats podcast. Uh, I am a trauma surgeon living in Dallas, Texas, and to say I'm a trauma surgeon really doesn't encompass everything that this field uh, covers. Uh, I have board certifications in general surgery and surgical critical care, and I guess we'll talk more later about what trauma surgery uh, entails. But some background on me, when I was younger, it was not my plan to grow up and become a doctor. I'm an Air Force brat, so any military brats out there, you can appreciate what it's like moving around the world every three or four years. My father was in the Air Force for 23 years. Uh, there's my mother, my younger sister, and I, and there's always a series of dogs on these trips. So, spent our time living all around the world. I was born in Massachusetts, in a place called Chicopee, out near Springfield. Uh, lived in Florida, New Mexico, Okinawa, Japan, Honolulu, Hawaii, Virginia. Been to Arizona. Yeah, and I went to the Air Force Academy uh, for undergrad, and there majored in aeronautical engineering. So like I said, it wasn't my plan to become a doctor. From there, spent six years active duty in the Air Force doing research and development and flight test for the Air Force. Uh, I obtained the rank of captain. And it was during that time I had my first, or sorry, sorry, it was during that time when I started getting interested in a career in medicine. But that interest was more like, yeah, that'd be a cool thing to do but that is not for me i didn't go to uh, undergrad as a pre-med i had no concept of what it meant to actually get into medical school but a lot of my social circle social circle was in medicine these were nurses and doctors so i was continually exposed to the field and at some point i had a random discuss a random discussion with one of my colleagues who had the exact background that I did, an Air Force Academy graduate, aeronautical engineer, doing testing in the Air Force, and he said he was going to go to medical school as his next step. So from there, I was able to pick his brain for a while and realize that, oh, I do have the, the requirements to go to medical school. It's a matter of just taking the MCAT and going to school. So that's what I, or going, taking the MCAT and applying to school. So that's what I did. So this is back in, you know, 1995, 96, pre, you know, the internet that we know of today. So I went to the bookstore and purchased, it's probably about a two or three inch thick MCAT prep book. And over the course of a year, just went through that book cover to cover, answered every question, read every single answer, the ones that got right, the ones that got wrong, just kind of just just sucked up all that information in preparation for the uh, MCAT. Did that, took the MCAT, went through the normal application process, and which meant that I was what they call a non-traditional applicant, which means anyone who did not go the traditional route, which is high school to college to medical school straight through. Either that or some variation where you may do these combined programs where you do three years of college and four years of medical school. But I think you get what I'm talking about. Non-traditional means you were doing something else, some other job, some other career, something, and then came back to medical school. 
I ended up going to the University of South Florida, which is in Tampa, and for, for a couple of reasons. One, most of all, when I went to interview there, I just felt like this is home for me. I just really was uh, impressed by the the staff of student affairs that, that took care of us on our interview day, the students I met, so I just felt at home, but also... I uh, I had a chance to use a military scholarship, either going to UCs or going taking a scholarship to a civilian school, and I thought it was probably time for me to try something different. Not because I was unhappy with the military, but I'd been in the military my entire life. From I was born in an Air Force hospital, spent time as an Air Force kid, went to the Air Force Academy, was was in the was on active duty in the Air Force. So for my own personal growth, I felt it was time for me to step away from that safety net and be on my own for a while just to experience life through a different lens, knowing that I could always go back into the Air Force because there's always a need for doctors in the military, excuse me, or, uh, but if I didn't get out, then I probably never would. And fortunate for me, those were, neither decision was a bad decision. No matter what I chose, I would have ended up okay and happy but I got out and went to South Florida which was financially very appealing because I can get in-state tuition and it was not an exorbitant amount of money for for my annual tuition I think back then I was paying eight thousand dollars a year to go to school and some schools nowadays are you know fifty thousand dollars or more uh, so it was didn't hurt my my bank account too much I still have loans. So I had to I had to live off, you know, I had to pay the bills, electric bills, and buy food and things like that. But I went to South Florida, and it was there that I got my interest in surgery, and then finally in trauma surgery. So the main teaching hospital there is Tampa General Hospital, and I think it was my third week of surgery is when we did. A couple weeks of trauma surgery and on that second day I was like this is it this is what I'm gonna do I was just drawn in by the the, the pace the adrenaline rush uh, these patients come in through the ED and they are on the verge of death and the trauma surgeons swoop in and save these lives and that was a perspective I had as a third-year student now understand you know, over a decade and a half later, I recognize there is much more to that experience as well as trauma surgery. But then that was what just grabbed me. And that was actually my first rotation. So the rest of the year, I tried to uh, like other specialties because people are always telling you trauma surgery, you're going to have a bad life and it's hard, et cetera, et cetera, all the naysayers. But at the end of the year, it was like, this is it. This is for me. And uh, it's, it's worked out well. So I wanted to be a trauma surgeon, but the first step for me was to actually become a well-trained surgeon. So I wanted to go to the best training program I can get into. So my process was to identify all the cities I was willing to live in, what were the best programs in those cities, and, and apply to those. That was pretty simple. I was, I was, I was pretty mobile at that point. Looking at Boston, I mean, Harvard Medical School is up in Boston. I applied to all the different Harvard teaching hospitals, 
and I ended up going to Brigham and Women's Hospital for my surgery rotation. There I spent five years doing my clinical training and then two years doing clinical research where I focused on hemorrhagic shock and the effect of the immune system on mortality. And just in short, like your immune system is generally protective. We think of it as protecting us from illnesses, um, colds, infectious diseases, but it can also be injurious, particularly in hemorrhagic shock. If you lose a lot of blood, the system gets activated and that can lead to increased mortality. So that was the focus of my research in a larger lab that was all doing similar things or different types of projects, but focusing on the same outcome, the immune system response after hemorrhagic shock and its effect on mortality. So seven years in Boston at Brigham Women's Hospital. I'm finally a trained surgeon. Now the next step is I want to be the best trained trauma surgeon I can be. And I already decided that there were just a handful of these iconic, busy, urban trauma centers that I would consider going to for my training. And the one I chose was Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta, which is affiliated with Emory University and Morehouse School of Medicine. So my fellowship was through Emory University and spent two years at Grady. One year was just all clinical doing trauma surgery and this all operative, I should say. And the second year was mostly in the ICU with some operating. So one year for trauma surgery training, another year for the critical care training. And Grady Hospital is one of these iconic urban trauma centers, very busy as far as the number of trauma activations per year, uh, high acuity, the sickest of the sick. And that's what I wanted to ensure that when I was done, I had, had at least seen and experienced pretty much everything that could possibly be thrown at me when I was out on my own. And I just went there. I knew I was just going to work. I was going to live at that hospital for those two years so I didn't miss anything. Uh, and Grady also has a pretty historic career uh, when it comes to segregation. It was known as the Grady's for a while. Half the hospital was dedicated to black patients, half was dedicated to white patients. And, you know, I still sense some of that. Um, uh, it's still, it's still is in the atmosphere of the hospital, and which I think is important for, for people that are going to train in uh, medical school and in residencies, especially for uh, trainees of color, that where wherever you go, there is there. You know, there's still these, these racialized elements that are going to impact your day-to-day -day life. And it's usually not a positive impact. However, you just need to stay focused on the end goal and always just be at the top of your game so that no one can question your abilities, qualifications, or your commitment. Because in the end, some will just take one look at you and start making judgments about whether or not you belong, or whether or not you are capable, whether or not you are truly committed. You have to erase any doubt based on your work ethic. And that means being there first, staying there longer, doing better on your tests. And this may seem like a lot of pressure, but this is the reality of the world in which you are entering. 
the standards which you which you'll be measured against are not the same as for people that are not minorities but that should not dissuade you from going into this profession it should not dissuade you from uh, just maintaining your integrity about what you're doing so back to the fellowship training finished up at Grady and I mean I always knew back in medical school that when I was all done with my training I would want to practice at an urban trauma center that had high volume trauma high acuity trauma but also as far as my general surgery practice because most of what I was doing was general surgery and I wanted to treat patients that did not have uh, ready access to care I wanted to treat the underserved populations about wherever I live so that was important to me and I also wanted to make sure my practice encompassed uh, education so I wanted to be in an academic center because I wanted to teach and mentor students and residents so for me I wanted a busy high acuity clinical practice I wanted to treat the underserved and I wanted to be an educator which brought me to Dallas in Parkland Hospital and UT Southwestern Medical Center which that combination was all here for me and that's where I actually first came across Dr. Dale who's been doing this work I guess since he was a resident but I, I don't want to speak for him but he's been doing this for a long time but I, I found a kindred spirit that was committed to paying it forward for future generations of minority uh, physicians and surgeons and he had a machine that was just growing and I got the opportunity to be part of that and I love being able to continue doing that to this day so which brings us I think to the next important part for these future trainees is that along this journey of medicine you're going to cross paths with many people of all different races and ethnicities and you have to be cognizant of who will help you along the journey who will be your mentors and sponsors and people will reach out to you but you get so busy with what you're doing that you forget or say it is easy to forget to reach back and ask for the help or the guidance or the mentorship that you need and that you deserve so take it upon yourself to make that move when necessary and not always expect it to happen to you if you expect the good work to speak for itself you will be disappointed it will take that and more now overall my entire medical career has been a positive experience however there have been challenges along the way uh, that are particularly unique to um, African-American and, and other trainees of color which I want you to share just some of my experiences uh, you know being called the n-word by patients or going being told you cannot be part of the treatment team of a patient because you are the only or you know, have to be I was the only black person on the team or walking into a room to see your patient and then being directed to clean out the trash or take out the tray of food these are stories that you will hear from I have not run into a single 
black physician when we talk about this who has not who does not have a story like that to share. That is a reality of the the world you're entering. It it's doesn't mean anyone has racist intent, but it certainly does have impact when you've done all this work and you're wearing your white coat and have your stethoscope to have all of that be diminished or dismissed with this a couple of words, whether it's intentional or not. So recognize that that's what you're entering into. But again, always maintain the highest levers, level standards of work ethic and commitment and integrity. Secondly, no matter what stage you're in, you are always in a position to pay it forward. If you're in med school now, there is some high school, junior high school student to whom you can give advice. If you're a resident, you can pay it forward to a medical student and attending and beyond. It, it never ends. And I feel that is one of the most important roles, or obviously not your role, obligation I have is to ensure that I can always look back and say to someone that needs my help or can use my advice, I need to make time to make that happen. Someone did it for me, or some, many people did it for me. I didn't do this by myself. Uh, many folks did it for me, so I want to do it for someone else. So accept that you are good enough to do this and that you belong. Recognize that there will be challenges along the way that are unique to you because of your race. Bust through that and do not do not let that prevent you from always maintaining the highest standards of commitment, work ethic, and integrity. And I'm gonna see when all all is said and done. It's not ever. It is never done. But each step along the way, you realize you become more and more important to a larger group of people coming up behind you that want to get where you are. And you will get busy. Cause that's what medicine is about. But do not forget that and always make time for someone coming up behind you. I am happy. I consider mentorship and sponsorship a core part of what I do. And I'm happy and eager to connect with anyone that wants to continue this discussion. Uh, I'm on Twitter at BHWilliamsMD. You can catch me on LinkedIn. Just look my name up, Brian H. Williams, MD. Uh, you can go to my website, brianwilliamsmd.com, and drop me a note there. And if you want to call, my cell phone number is 214-699-8730. That's 214-699-8730. And, you know, Dr. Dale has inspired me, so I hope you will also check out my podcast, which is Race, Violence, and Medicine. You can get that anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. And if you're not into podcast apps, you can go to racevioencemedicine.com and listen to it there. So I look forward to hearing from some of you. You can track me down on any of those social media handles. And I may not get back to you the same day, but I will definitely get back to you at some point. Good luck on your journey. You are entering a profession that has rewards like no other. I wouldn't change a thing about what I've done or how I got here. And I'm looking forward to many, many more years of contributing to humanity through the profession of medicine.
Thanks for listening. Absolutely amazing stuff right there, Dr. Williams. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining us on this podcast and just dropping a lot of wisdom, a lot of gems in there. And if you missed it, go back and listen to it again. So many gems in there and too many for me to kind of recap and, and cover again. But a few a few that stand out to me. One of them, something he just said towards and he mentioned that he wouldn't change anything about his journey. And I, that sticks with me, you know, that, that resonates with me because I say that a lot myself as well. And it's really important because people always say, oh, I wish this would have been different. I wish, I wish, I wish. Well, I think you should accept life for what it is. Accept what has happened. You know, the past is a past. So just accept that. And don't always live in the past and say, I wish this would have been different. I wish this would have been different. And the reason I bring that up is because obviously through Pre-Med Star, we do tons and tons of interaction with pre-medical students. And on a regular basis, students kind of live in the past and have this doubt or, you know, I didn't do good enough on this. I didn't do good enough. Well, Dr. Williams says he wouldn't change a thing. And I, I concur with that. I wouldn't change a thing about my past. And I think you guys should think about that, too. Don't live in the past. Don't think about what you would change. Just don't change a thing and just say, this is what I've got. This is where I'm at today. This is what I'm going to do to get to that next level. Right. So don't change a thing. And the other thing he said, which kind of lines up with that, is he talked about how you have to work harder than everybody else. Let your work ethic speak for itself. Let your work ethic speak for itself. So you have to work hard. And if you really, really work hard, work harder than everybody else then you're probably not going to even look in the past and say, I wish I would have done the different because if you're working hard than everybody else, you're probably ultimately going to end up doing pretty well. Now, again, remember, you're working hard than everybody else, so it's not going to be easy to get there. But that's just something you're going to have to accept. You're going to have to accept the fact that it's going to take a lot of hard work. And ultimately, hopefully, it can turn into working smarter, not harder. But at least up front, you got to work hard. You got to earn your stripes. You have to get your fund of knowledge, be smarter than everybody else, be a better um, practitioner than everybody else, right? You have to have better technical skills than everybody else. You just have to work hard and earn it. And then once you've done that, nobody can question your skill, your talent anymore. And that's what I like about Dr. Williams. The trauma surgeon, he talked about after he finished training, there was nothing that came at him that he hadn't seen before. And I'll tell you, I don't know if Brian remembers this, but back when we were shooting Black Men and White Coats, one of the first um, really high-level videos we made, in the, and I forgot to mention this in the intro, but Dr. Williams was one of the first people we filmed in our very high, high quality Black Men and White Coats videos. I did some old ones way back in 2013. And but then we started doing these really, really nice, high quality ones. And Dr. Williams was one of the first two episodes that we filmed. We filmed them sim simultaneously. And I remember talking to him. And one of the things he said was, you know, we're talking about are you nervous when you're in the in the OR and you have a resident or somebody who's doing work. You're nervous that they might mess up your surgery. And he keeps kind of like, ah, not really, because most things they do, not everything, but most things they do, I feel confident that I can get in there and fix it. Right. And that comes from the hard work he talks about. That comes from this whole idea of there's nothing you can throw at him that he hasn't seen before. Right. Because he's put in the hours. He's put in the hours to be great at his craft. Right. So I really appreciate that. And I want you guys to, to pay attention to that and to take it for what it is and see how it applies to your life. All right. So I'm going to wrap this up here. Do remember Black Men and White Coats Youth Summit. Black Men and White Coats Youth Summit. I'm putting the link down below. Click on it. If you're going to be in Dallas area, February 16th, be there. We'd love to see you. I'd love you to come up to me specifically and shake my hand and just say hi. Let me know you listen to the podcast or something. Just come up to me. Make up a reason. 
you know, to shake my hand, just shake my hand. I would love to meet you personally. And don't forget the worksheets, blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash worksheets to answer questions about this worksheet just to make sure you're retaining stuff and help you with comprehension and things of that sort. We want this to be an educational experience for the students as well. Thank you guys for listening. If you're a pre-medical student, you know where to find me, premedstar.com. I love you guys. Have any questions, give me a shout out. Yeah.